This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Tonight's episode is called Hope Whispers. Hope Floats. I liked that movie. Did I? No, I don't think I liked that movie. To make you feel my love. I think it was Harry Connick Jr. version. Maybe. Because he was in the movie. No, it was Garth Brooks' version. My sister had the soundtrack. I watched most of this episode, like, while I was half listening. And then I watched it again for real to do my notes. And I was like, oh, that girl's name is not Hope. I thought it was named after her the first time when I was only half listening. I'm sorry. What's the name of the title again? Hope Promises? Hope Whispers. I cannot. Hope Springs Eternal. In the forest. Hope Whispers. Got it. It aired October 30th. 2020, the year of our Lord, season 29, episode 11, hosted by Heath. Now, we just started Thanksgiving preparations. Sure did. By doing our online gift exchange. If you're not on social media, you probably didn't know about it. I'm considering doing another gift exchange with listeners for Keith Miss. If I can get my act together. Double the presents. Kim from People Are Wild does the Thanksgiving. That's her jam. She basically created the holiday. No, it wouldn't be double the presents. Why? It's double the presents. You get presents for Thanksgiving. You get presents for Keithmas. Double the presents. It's a separate event. Right. So you get presents twice this year, not just on Thanksgiving. You also get gifts on Keithmas. But then I don't know if we'd have to do one for every holiday, which would be like... Dennis Murphyica. Murphica. Murphica. <laughs> no, I can't remember what his was, but it was something good. And it wasn't like Arbor Day. It was something actually good. And then I was playing the around with of Murphy. Natalie M- Memorialis Day. That's great. But I, I don't know if I told Kim that. And she goes, huh. Oh, Kim. So I was. I thought it was particularly good for you. For me, it right? Was good. It's, a good, it's a play on words. Kim is setting the bar too high. Stop that, Kim. Yeah. And then there was one for Andrea. I got to look at the, all the things. I can't remember what they were. Okay. But there was the 4th of July. One of them had 4th of July. Dennis or Andrea had 4th of July, and I can't remember in what capacity, what it was called. Well, I'll work on it. Someone maybe could get St. Patrick's Day or Passover. I'm sorry, we don't get Hanukkah? We have to get Keithmas? I've, yeah, I gave up on that, yeah. Happy Hanukkah? Come, oh, happy Hanukkah. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so you can do Keithmas? Hanukkah, yeah. Okay, slash Hanukkah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, let me know if you guys would be interested. Well, I'm interested, again, I'll... Let me put forward that I'm excited about the possibility of doubling my present stash. So, yes, I'm excited. I also really like to give presents. Let me just state that so I don't sound like Well, I'd- the great thing about this website that Kim found called Elfster is, like, you get to pick, you get to write anonymously to the person you have and ask them questions about what they like. And they can also, you can create a, wi- a wish list. You can post the URL of anything that you want, and you could just pick a bunch of stuff so you know you'll get stuff you like. Or you can just kind of tell them, this is the kind of thing I'm into. That's exciting. I know. It's really good. So we are in Kansas for this episode. Yeah. Sadly, Kansas was not a battleground state on election night. So I still maybe can't point it out on a map. 
I think it's the rectangular-ish one. The one? There's multiples. Well, it's one of them that's right in the middle, I feel like. It is. And then I feel like there's another one that's a rectangle, but has a little bit extra hanging off the top of it. That's Oklahoma. Okay. But I don't mean the one with the long pointy thing hanging off the top. It looks like a, you know, those kind of campers that you sleep over the cab where you drive. It's like a trailer, like a motorhome that there's a living area and then it goes up out and you sleep over the... So I can state with confidence that you are thinking of one of the Dakotas, Kansas, or Nebraska. Not sure which one. I think it might be Nebraska. Might be. Ellie Green was almost there. Adulting, Keith says. It's very exciting. Ellie was a very smart girl, spoke a bunch of languages, amazing student. She was kind of pushed into this lifestyle because she had a tiger mom. Not to be confused with a tiger king. Let's be... Totally different. Yeah, okay. Because we did just have, or we're going to have Tiger King coming. So, yeah, Yes. Different. People know what a tiger mom is, right? I doubt it. So why don't you explain it? It was a famous book a long time ago, and it became like a catchphrase. Do you want to explain to people who might be confused? It's like a stereotypical Asian mother who has very high standards for her children in achievement academically makes them play piano, makes them practice a bunch of hours a day, all that sort of thing. Very jealous. My two friends with a tiger mom growing up played the piano so well, and one of them played the violin. They were so good at it. It would be like, oh, can you sit down and play this real quick? Oh, I think I know somewhere over the rainbow. It was that at like sixth grade. There's a group of two Asian sisters on Amazing Race this season, and one of the challenges had the that play like drums. And she goes, I played piano growing up. I'm good. I'm good. And then there's another team that's an Asian husband and wife. And the Asian sister goes, he's going to nail this. I bet he had to play piano too. Asian moms. And then it cuts to him going, I'd like to thank my mom for making me play piano growing up. And like, they all nailed the challenge. This is so unfair. I'm going to also state for the record that I took piano for six years. That's crazy. I totally took it for like a year and I quit. Really long time. And I can play the beginning of Fleur de Lis and Black Forest Polka. That's it. No, that's two more than I can. It's not impressive at a dinner party, Kimberly. You can't sit down and play Black Forest Polka. And people are like, oh, they don't recognize it. That It's not even a good song. It's just what I remember. That's all right. What? Who would we be if we had, like, I did very, very well in school without a tiger mom. If Joni was a tiger mom, I would be like. You'd be Kamala Harris. I'd be Kamala Harris right now. Yeah, maybe. The Jewish Kamala Harris. My mom is like, what's the opposite? Like a puppy mom. She's pawing all over me and kissing, smooching me all the time, trying to give me hugs and cuddles all the time. Anytime I walk into a room, she piddles herself because she's excited to see me. I'm not complaining. It's just a lot of energy all the time. Yeah, but it's very sweet. She doesn't have puppy breath. I wish. Aww. Puppy breath is the best. So really impressed that you know two songs on the piano, kind of. You wouldn't if you heard one. You'd be like, that's it. And I'd be like, that's it. And I forgot the bridge. (laughs) So I know this first part that's like 16 bars. You're welcome. So Ellie's mom, Angela, came from China to the United States to marry Jeff Green, who she had met when he was visiting China. He worked in IT. 
she worked on her garden and was an avid gardener. And then we meet this adorable man with curly hair and glasses, the neighbor. He's the MVP. Let's just put that out there. But what's his name? Barry something? What's his it's name? It's Barry, because he's for sure one of my people. He is for sure one of your people. And for sure his name is Barry. And for sure his name's Barry. And he was a fan of her garden and liked to make small talk, I feel like, when Angela was out gardening. But she didn't speak a ton of English. So they just talked about their garden. But he's only on Dateline literally to talk about her garden. Specifically... For the garden, but he gets two sections in the dateline. Yeah. Pink button down. Strong choice. I like it. I like a man in a pink button down. Sitting outside. Like at a playground? And a playground. So he's like a grown 50-something-year-old Jewish man sitting by himself being interviewed by dateline next to like a swing set. Why aren't we in his garden? Great point. Is he mad at his roses? I feel like he's in a battle with his gardenias right now. He's having a bad year and he's too embarrassed to represent. The mums did not bloom as they were supposed to. We just had a really cold winter and all my mums died. That's going to be, that's the thing. I won't go on national television like that. I shan't. No, thank no. you. Jeff and Angela had Ellie, their only child, and Angela's life became about Ellie, like making sure she thrived. Angela wasn't fluent in English and Jeff didn't speak Mandarin. So they did not communicate very much as husband and wife. Very strange. I'm sure she spoke quite a bit of English, but she wasn't fluent. Was she a model? Angela? Yeah. I don't know, but she was beautiful. They said that she was very tall, but they never said how tall. It kind of struck me because I wanted to know. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. She was beautiful. Everyone in this family is beautiful. That's true. So Ellie had to translate between her parents, kind of. Ellie went to the University of Kansas and Angela missed her so much that she lost weight and she was very depressed. She kind of lost her sense of purpose once Ellie was out of the house. Thank God Joni still had my younger brother. That's true. Wait a minute. I need to tell you something important. She went to U, okay, University of Kansas. Yeah, I get it. Do you think people that go there say that? You Okay. I'm sure they don't find it that funny. I felt I felt like it needed to be pointed out. I just realized if, it. If anyone went there, please let us know if that is a common joke. Or if there are teachers that say, you okay? Question mark. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or they do it in chants. You okay? You, you okay? You, you okay? You would have been a good cheerleader. Thank you. So then... Ellie started traveling and dating a guy. She was really broadening her life. And Angela was furious because she wasn't coming home to spend time with her anymore. Oh, boy. They get into a huge fight. And Ellie got upset. She went to her boyfriend's house or she was kicked out by Angela. Keith says she was kicked out. I feel like the fight ended in a way where the mom was like, get out. But I don't think that this was the thing where it's like... You can never come home again. I'm done with you. I found drugs in your drawer. That's not what this was. Also, her boyfriend's name is Zach Krause, in case you didn't write it down. Zach. Zach's family MVPs also. Why are you making that face? Because Zach looked startlingly young. Zach looks quite a bit younger than Ellie. He looks like he would be a bag of wieners, but he's not. 
well, he looks like he's 14. He looked like he was a freshman in high school, not college. And then you see them walking together and you see that Zach actually, only his face looks like that because Zach is six feet tall. Yeah, he's very tall. That was yeah. surprising. So she goes to stay at Zach's house. Ellie does. She's waiting for her mom to calm down. Then a few days later, she gets a text from her dad saying her mom had been taken to a mental hospital in the middle of a grocery store parking lot. She had been apprehended. None of those things go together. Like how my dad always makes jokes about the men in the white coats coming. That was his favorite joke. No, well, for me or my mom. It's his favorite joke. One of many jokes. He has all the jokes. That's what this scenario is that happened to Angela, supposedly, at a grocery store parking lot. And then I was thinking about last week's episode where that doctor was getting so much judgment for shopping at that grocery store. And I was like... Grocery stores are getting some heat on Dateline. She was apprehended or she was taken? Are we calling Liam Neeson or are we calling the police? They're two very different things. She was taken against her will by mental health professionals. Because of how she had been acting inside the Sabon. No, it's unclear. Doesn't make a lot of sense. There's not a lot of details that go along with this story. And this is when I start to be like, why did Kimberly pick this? Because this is when my brain starts to like spark in the side. Okay, so the first questions that should be asked here are like, explain to me exactly what happened, dad. Yeah, no, totally. He won't tell Ellie where she is, where she was taken, who picked her up, and says that you can't visit her. Okay, why? Why? It's not a red flag. It's a crimson tarp. It, it is. It's like he hung a pirate flag out the window and went, something sinister's happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ellie, being the dutiful, obedient daughter that she was trained to be, just waits. A few weeks later, her dad goes over to Zach's house, to the boyfriend's house, and says to Ellie, Angela died of a stroke. To which Keith says, I'm sorry, he said, Angela, and not your mom? She said, yeah. So Zach goes to get his parents and says, oh my God, like Ellie's mom died. And so his mom, Sarah, great lady, she's comforting Ellie. She looks up to try to start comforting Jeff, Ellie's dad, but he's peaced out. He's gone. It was like a drive-by bereavement announcement. Like, sorry, your mom died. Bye. See you next summer. So many red flags. What is happening? I don't know. So if you're Zach's mom, what are you doing here? Are you trying to respect this poor girl or are you calling the police at this point? What are you doing? I mean... You, Kimberly, what are you doing? Me, I call the police. But I would have called at... My dad says my mom got taken away and put in a hospital and he won't tell me where she is. And I can't go visit her. Do you call the dad? I I might call the dad and be like, hi, your daughter's been staying with me for three weeks. We really need to know what's going on with her mom. It's it's affecting her schoolwork. She's a mess. Can you tell me what's going on? And I'll decide, you know, whether how much we're going to tell her something. I would have played along with him. But oh, you mean if you're Zach's if you're Zach's mom, you say parent to parent, parent to parent. Can you let me know what's going on here and how serious it is? How long is she going to be in? Yeah, I would have asked some questions. So I knew how to handle this girl that's living in my house. Mm -hmm. At this point, are you starting to understand why I picked this episode? 
I think you did it for torture. Okay. So I'm starting to feel put upon. Like okay. you did it on purpose. Knowing that my brain would have a difficult time with this one. Yeah. So the next day, Sarah, Zach's mom, invites Jeff over to talk about it. And over tomato soup, excellent detail, Keith. Appreciated it. It really painted the picture. It does. He says someone from the hospital had called to say she died from a stroke. So Sarah thinks something's fishy right away. She thinks maybe Angela committed suicide and Jeff is lying to protect Ellie because she feels like he's lying and something's not right. Mm -hmm. And Ellie is in shock and she never got to say goodbye to her mom. And Zach says he wanted to help, but he couldn't. He's nice. Yeah, he's super nice. We don't get enough of Zach to know, but we see his mom is great. So I feel like that is a good indication that he's okay. And I feel like you're growing as a person because the one thing he definitely did was smile through this whole thing, talking about this. That's obviously pretty traumatic. And it seemed a little disingenuine because he was smiling so much. So good for you to realize that just because someone's face is doing something doesn't mean that the sentiment isn't there. So Ellie wants to grieve with her dad, but he's not a talker. And he doesn't seem to be into helping his daughter grieve either. No. Keith talks a little bit to Ellie about the dynamics of the house. Angela was the boss of the house. And she controlled things. And he says, well, it must have been nice to have your dad who was kind of more laid back and you could go to him when your mom was being really tough. And she's like, yeah. So Ellie and her dad were close. Were they? Yeah. I think he's like, she was kind of a daddy's girl. At this point, Jeff tells Ellie he needs some time to himself. Okay. I understand your wife has just disappeared and died, but your daughter also needs you. As someone who has lost a parent in their 20s, I'm going to tell you, nope. Nope. We don't like that. Don't like that. So, But Ellie, dutiful daughter, she leaves him alone. She respectfully gives him his space. Thank God for the Krauses, for Zach and his family. Thank God for Zach's family because they treated her like family. Jeff also didn't want a funeral. Crimson Tarp number 17. Jeff had told, this is the big one. Jeff had told Ellie, don't tell your mom's family that she died because I'm not ready yet. Okay, I'm going to give him a few tips. If you have done something with her mother and you don't want to tell the family because you're not ready because you haven't figured out your story yet. Your story yet, yeah. And you know, they're going to ask you probably more questions than Ellie is. Than Ellie is, yeah. You maybe should just say, I'm going to tell them in my own time, but I'd appreciate you not saying anything. Let me tell them. But he didn't say that. He said, I'm not ready yet and left it at that. He didn't say, I'm going to tell them. No, he just said, I'm not ready. But it's a terrible onus to put on your child who has just lost a parent. You're making her keep a secret. Yeah, it's real weird. About something that shouldn't be a secret from Angela's own family. It's a horrible position to put your daughter in. I'm not a fan of Geoff, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, we learn later that his name is spelled G-E-O-F-F. G-E-O-F. Again, a 90-day fiancé, ne'er-do-well. So Ellie, for the first time, after a few months, feels rebellious. She calls Angela's family. And Keith says, and you know the domino theory, knock down just one and look out. On that, a life can turn. Ooh, I didn't know the domino theory. I like it, though. I mean, it's just that dominoes, it's the whole point of the game, right? Is it a theory? 
It doesn't matter. Isn't that the point of the game? I'm fine with it. I like the dramatic phrase. I did too. But yes, that is the point of the game. I did not know a life could turn on it though. Oh. So Angela had a sister and a niece. The niece is just like Ellie. She is smart and she is beautiful. Yes. These girls are the whole package. The niece is a lawyer and she's like seven years older than Ellie. And they had never been close or really knew each other. They lived in different parts of the country. They live in New York. So they hadn't heard from Angela in a while, like months. She didn't RSVP for this family wedding. They knew she could be stubborn and sometimes distant, but she is being rude now because she's not returning any of their calls and they're pissed. Mm -hmm. They have no idea that she's deceased. And Ellie calls them and says she has to tell them something and her mom's dead. And she said, it, it wasn't my place to tell. It was my dad's. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know about that. It's just, she's your mom. That's your place to tell. You tell whoever you want to tell. Why did she feel like that? I think she could definitely tell her mom's family. Yeah. But are you being gaslit by someone in your family, Katie? Probably. Better Health offers therapy with a licensed professional therapist in the privacy of your home, safe from being ambushed in a grocery store parking lot and taken away. You can start communicating with someone in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. So many people are using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Counselors specialize in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, all kinds of family issues like the ones demonstrated so far in this episode. BetterHelp is easy. It's totally confidential. It's affordable. What are you waiting for? In all seriousness, we're getting closer, but we're still not done with 2020, and we have several major holidays coming up, which means fun and good cheer and family. Ha ha, just kidding. It means lots of stress. Yes, ma'am. So we want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Wow. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com forward slash dateline because we can all use a little better help me do better. Oh my God. You can't help it. We're going to start doing that different. You're going to be the better from now on. Okay. And then you'll end it. Yes. I will do the Because you know when to cut the cord. I don't know when to cut the cord. Every time. Just I have to be the last one talking. It's a real issue that I need to address with my BetterHelp counselor. It is, but you are the last one talking. It's just that you're not comfortable just saying the one word. That does not work for you. You need multiple words or nothing at all. Give me multiple words or give me death. I don't believe in just a button to to a bit. I need like all the buttons. Yeah, a zipper, a button, full hood over the top. Yeah. Yeah, all the accoutrements. Thank you, BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp. Check them out, guys. So six or seven months go by before Ellie calls the family. And Michelle, the niece, was stunned that Angela had died at age 51, shocked that Jeff hadn't called them. And Ellie said, I'm sorry I wasn't allowed to tell you. He didn't want you to know, and I didn't want to overstep my boundaries. And I was like, overstep your boundaries? You're the daughter. It's very strange. You're within boundaries there. Yeah. So Michelle... The niece is a lawyer, 
And she's like, no, girl, this is shady AF, except she talks smart. She's a lawyer. She's like, this is not right. Tell me everything that your dad said. So Ellie tells her and Michelle says, well, you can't just ambush someone in a parking lot. They have to have court order or something like that if they're going to lock someone up. And so Jeff must have had something to do with that. Is this information not available by giving it a goog or asking Jeeves or binging it? You could have binged it. So why didn't Ellie do any of that? I feel like there's a real... This feels like a compartmentalization type thing. I do not want to psychoanalyze. So if that sounds psychoanalyzy, but this sounds like... We lock it in a box and put it over there. We lock it in a box. We put it away. We don't maybe talk about our feelings that much in this family. Maybe. Also, we don't question authority in this family because the mom taught her like respect, 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 which is a great thing. Great thing. But it's okay to question sometimes if you think something is wrong and follow your gut instead. But again, she's 20 years old. Exactly. She just got out of the house with her parents. It feels like she was living at the house while she was going to school. Is that not correct? No, I think just for summers. Just for summers. Okay, okay. But I think she just believed what her dad said, even though she thought it was weird. She had never thought her dad would lie to her about anything. Yeah. So Michelle, the cousin, is like, okay, there's no history of strokes in our family. So that's weird. What hospital was she taken to? And Ellie said, well, my dad won't tell me. What, where was there a funeral? Did we miss the funeral? No, there was no funeral. So then Michelle says, well, do you have a death certificate? And Ellie says, what's a death certificate? So Michelle says, you can go to the state capital of Topeka, which I totally knew was the state capital. And You did because of me, right? No, I think I just kind of knew that it wasn't Kansas City. I think that's the one that I won the money on at the math party. At that party? Mm-hmm. I think it might have been Topeka. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, Katie once won money. Yeah. Betting against some... Math majors. Yeah. I was betting math majors on state capitals. You know a lot of things. About state capitals, sure, because I had placemats, but that's out. So Michelle, who lives in New York, is walking Ellie through all of this over the phone, where she needs to go, what she needs to do. I love it. I could not love Michelle more. Let me be very clear. Michelle is like love... the friend that we would have. Totally. Yeah. I want to be her when I grow up, even though she's a lot younger than me. So Ellie goes to the Capitol and she finds that there's no record of Angela's death in Kansas. Very suspicious. Case Gendalee. So there's no death certificate on file at the state Capitol, which means there has to be that no matter what, under any circumstances, if you die, you have a death certificate. I didn't know that happened. If someone kills you and buries you in the backyard, there's not going to be a death certificate unless they report it. But if you die at a hospital or a coroner does, you know, takes you, they do death certificates and you're supposed to do a death certificate if anyone dies. So, yes, there should be a death certificate. So Ellie goes to her dad and asks, where did mom die? And he says, Kansas. And she says, no. And he says, well, how do you know that? Like, very snippy, I thought. Like, geez, his attitude, Jeff. Take it down a notch. So she says, well, I went to Topeka, which is totally the state capital that Katie knew and Kimberly. And (laughs) she says there was no. And he's like, who are Katie and Kimberly? Uh, She's like, podcasters. Okay, dad, what's a podcast? He doesn't even know what a podcast is. It was a whole thing. So she says, well, I went, I looked for the death certificate. There isn't one. So he says, 
Oh, well, maybe it was Missouri or some other state. I don't know. Man, you're the next of kin. If she's taken to a hospital, you know what the hospital is and you know where it is. You don't know what state she died in? Is that what you're trying to say right now? He's going to make her go to all these other states. Every state. And he's going to like, I'm buying some time. I'm going to buy a week. Okay, (laughs) I got to get my story straight because it's not working so far. And he's crossing off the states like on a big list in his house. She's going to Nebraska next. Next week, I'm sending her to Alaska on a freighter. I couldn't afford the plane tickets. She's going by boat. It's going to take a long time. Actually, maybe she went to Canada. Maybe she died in Canada. Yeah. There's so many red flags. Yeah, so many. But at least Ellie is onto it now at this point. And Michelle was way onto it. So Michelle from New York calls the police in Kansas and requests a wellness check. Please go check on my aunt Angela. No one has seen her. She's doing that to get the police riled up. Get this on the radar, right? That there's a missing person and something is weird. Okay. Her husband's saying she's dead. There's something very strange going on. But she's not telling them any of that. I don't think she tells them that. I think she says no one's heard from her. That's very smart. So it's very smart. So the police go to the house. They can't find Angela. They ask the neighbors and they say that no one has seen her for a month. And Barry, the neighbor that loves the garden, he says that the sidewalk was covered with branches and Angela would never let that happen. So he knew that something was very wrong at that point. Did Barry love Angela? I kind of feel like they had a mutual love that was not romantic, but it was over flowers or something, you know, like a a mutual respect slash love. It wasn't sexual or romantic. No. It was just they both loved this same thing. That's one of those movies, though, where you kind of root for them to get together and then they don't because it's really about the roses and it would be like how they didn't speak the same language but they spoke the international language of petals oh that's good yeah it would be beautiful we should write trademark trade trademark trademark so the police reach jeff and he tells the police angela's away for the weekend and keith says so dramatically for the weekend because it's crazy and so at this point michelle tells the police that's really interesting because he told us that she's dead so burned you jeff (laughs) what's how which one is it jeff i love that i would have loved to have listened to that phone call that's interesting i would like to hear michelle do it okay So Ellie finds out that her dad has said that the mom is now away for the weekend. She's furious. And I was like, finally, finally, she's as mad at her dad as we all have been. Thank God. Yeah. So she goes to Zach's family for support. They take her to the police to file a missing persons report on Angela. Good. Yes. So she's at the police station filing the missing persons report. Jeff calls and She puts him on speakerphone so that the police can hear. But he doesn't know the police are listening. And they start recording the call. Until they hear, Sergeant McKinney, can you come in? We've got a 41967-3 going on down at the Bank of America. Over and out. Jeff is like, where are you, Ellie? She's like, I'm watching Lethal Weapon on TV. (laughs) Exactly. Law and order, Dad. Yeah. So he says, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what the truth is. I thought she was dead until you told me that there's no death certificate. Maybe now I'm thinking she's not dead. 
Like, this is great news. And he's very confused and very confusing because he's kind of all over the place. So Ellie says, tell me about what happened in the parking lot. And Jeff says, well, I didn't think that she had run off with some stranger to do something. I kind of thought it would be, yeah, she kind of disappeared. So he basically admits that he made up the parking lot story. No doy. Mm -hmm. He says, I don't know if she ran off with someone or what. She's gone. So I made up that story that she got locked up in a mental institution. Okay, so step one, admitting there's no parking lot. Right. Step two. Yeah. No mental hospital story. Right. Step three, big fat liar. Step three, maybe I killed her? Question mark. I just don't know. I don't know yet. He seems to not be in control of himself. (laughs) It's like he's literally saying, Ellie, thank you for being patient with me. I will tell you the truth as soon as I've decided what it is. Is this like where someone else is pulling the strings? Where he's talking and there's someone across the room that is not real, but he thinks the person is real. And they're like, not yet, Jeff. Not like a doll. yet. Like a scary doll or something that's possessed. But in his head, it's a real person. But when you and I look at it, it's a doll. Or it's like Harvey. It's like an invisible bunny or something. It could be. Donnie Darko. I don't know. I'm just saying. Jeff is so weird. This is weird. The, the reaction is very, very odd and so suspicious. So suspicious. So he says, I lied about the parking lot story, but someone did call and say that she was dead. And she's like, who? I I don't know. Did you run your phone? Did you do a star 69? Can we check your phone records to see who called you so that maybe we can trace that number, Jeff? You didn't think to ask questions? Why does no one here ask questions except for Michelle? He says, well, I knew she had died because someone called and said she had died. And then... But that doesn't mean anything. And then I got an urn delivered to the house. I arranged the cremation by phone and they delivered an urn to the house. So he didn't even go and say goodbye to her body. Right. He just arranged a cremation and an urn was delivered. And he put it on the mantle. And Ellie's like, you you have her ashes? Like, you've had her ashes this whole time? Like, I could say goodbye to her? You didn't tell me? Who dropped off the urn, Dad? He can't say. Well, you can't say or you won't say? You don't exactly, remember? Exactly, exactly. Like, it was a pimply kid named Tyler? Or it was a giant man dressed all in black that looked like Hagrid? He's like, here you go. Here's your ashes. <laughs> I feel more like it was a singing telegram person. Okay. Like with balloons. (laughs) I am your singing telegram. telegram. Here's the kicker. This part got me, like really got me. Like I was- None of the rest of this got you? There's just this? It was just all building to this moment for me. So he tells her, I didn't check the urn. I didn't open it. I was too distraught. But when you told me that you couldn't find a death certificate, I started thinking that maybe she was alive. So I opened the urn. And guess what? Guess what, Katie? I'm not. It's empty. (laughs) I cackled. I was dying. I can't. I can't comprehend. Is Jeff's implying that at this point he's the victim of some sort of plot or heist where Angela is maybe faking her death and her mysterious helpers delivered an empty urn to the house? 
that they didn't even bother to put like sand in. Exactly. Barbecue ash in. Right, right, right. Who would do that? Who is lying to him at this point? Because someone's lying to him if he has an empty urn in the house. It must be the government, like some international spies, something unlike an empty urn that is not at all creepy that you can have delivered to your house are vitamins and supplements from Care Of. Care Of gives you personalized care that helps you maintain your health goals and helps you feel your best. You take the fun and easy online quiz about your diet, lifestyle, health concerns. It only takes like five minutes. I aced it because it didn't ask me where Kansas was. So I knew all the answers. Then Care Of sends you your recommended vitamins in daily individually wrapped packs. They make it really easy to stay on track with your health goals, especially right now when it's getting cold out and the seasons are changing. You have to take care of your immune health. It's really important. Absolutely. So I'm loving my little care of daily packets because taking them really brings a routine into my non-routine days. And the fact that the packs are personalized makes it fun to take each day. Mine today said, hi, Kimberly. And I was like, hi, care of. <laughs> and it said, what's your favorite thing about yourself? And I was like, my winning personality. And then I felt great all day. Oh, I thought you were going to say my knowledge of state capitals, but you, you didn't. So no, I know my limitations. That's good. And that's important too. Do you know what shape is a trapezoid? Yes. That might be the shape of Nebraska. What you described, the camper shell, trapezoid. That's not what I was picturing. I don't know the shape of a trapezoid. So I absolutely need care of because maybe that'll be on one of my packets. Yeah. Okay. So can't. <laughs> If Kerov could send really specific geometric shapes to Katie, that would be helpful. And mine would be geography. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Kerov also has protein powders and boosts and everything is made with clean ingredients that are backed by science. Go science. Yeah. I don't give it up for science enough. So for 50% off, that is a crazy amount. Off your first Kerov order, go to takecareof.com and enter code Date Dateline 50. That's 50% off your first care of order by going to takecareof.com, entering code Date Dateline 50. Woo! Take care of yourself. Beautiful. Thank you, Karev. Thank you so much, Karev. So here's my question is really what I wish we had video of is the cops are listening to this phone call. Right. What are their expressions on their faces? As they're hearing about the empty urn. Who is this, Yabo? Who's this, Chaproni? They're here in Kansas. They don't talk like that. Who's this, Dillweed? <laughs> I don't know. What do they say? I don't know. Who's this, Pencil Neck? I just... Maybe. Pencil Neck? That's it? Okay, great. We did it. No, I just feel like they're... I just... I don't even know. I can't form words to express how insane this all is. And so I can't imagine hearing it as a cop and you're hearing it right firsthand on the phone. I think that you just must be like, this is so clearly a lie. Right. But it's so bad a lie, it's the so whole thing. It's so bad that it almost could be true because it's so bad. Right. And there's a conspiracy of people taking women, helping them fake their deaths, and then handing back fake empty urns. Or something. Who calls and signs up for cremation over the phone? That's not like an over the phone service. Hi, I'd like to cremate right. my friend. No. Right. What? Well, he got the death call over the phone. So then they were like, what do you want to do with the body? Does he not leave the house? <laughs> I don't know. He works a lot. 
So maybe he was on his cell phone and he was busy. So Keith says Angela's ashes were not there, which is my alternative title. And it also reminds me of when the Finer Things Club on The Office read Angela's ashes. The Finer Things, says I. It was a great book, fun read. What did you like about it? Was it when the twins died? Who's the main character? Angela. Angela. Nope. nope. Ashes. Jim didn't read the book. That's so disappointing. I'm disappointed in Jim in that moment. He should have read the book. He should have read the book. They let him into that club and poor Andy was dying to be in the club. Andy technically should have been in the club. He should have. He dresses very dapper and he read the book. And he would have bought like crumpets and whatever. He would have made sure that the food was appropriate. Uh Uh-huh. He wouldn't have mocked them. And then remember when he's going... The Finer Things Club is the most exclusive club in the office. I have got to be a part of it. He wanted it so badly. So Ellie is begging her dad to tell her the truth. What's going on? She says, it's stressing everyone out. And he says, I know it is. And she says, don't lie to me to protect me. Just tell me the truth. And he says, okay, I will tell you the truth. He doesn't say anything. He makes it sound like from now on. Like, she's like, you have to tell me from now on, like, whatever's happening. Like, there's still things happening. But she's already dead, supposedly. So what's still happening? And so he's like, I will tell you the truth from now on. This is like a bad movie because the next thing would be like, I'll tell you the truth. Can you meet me at the house tonight? And then she goes to the house that night in the movie and he sits her down. He tells her this wild story about like aliens and working for the government and all this stuff. And somehow Angela's involved. But it's this huge story that like has been going on all of Ellie's life since before she was born. And then she finds out that she's a pod person. Uh Uh-huh. And she never knew her real mom at all. Yeah. I'm not even your real dad, Ellie. You came from the planet Zoltar. Yes. And your mother adopted you. She fell in love with you and she saw you. But you have special powers. And your people have come back for you, but your mom sacrificed herself. Yes. Because she didn't want to give you back. So she's now on Soltar. Yeah. And your mom and I were never really married. She's a fellow agent. That's why you never saw us kiss. Could it be that? Because that's about what this sounds like. Like the Americans. It's really the Americans. Kind of. Except with aliens or with like scientists. Scientists and aliens. I mean, she did come from China. Could she be a Chinese spy? But she didn't do anything. If she had like, was, did Barry work for the government? Barry the neighbor? Yeah. Were they passing each other's secret messages that were written in invisible ink on the rose petals? Hold on. Was maybe she a spy and Jeff found out and Jeff has a sensitive job. And so then something happened to her, but they can't tell her. Was she sent there to spy on Jeff? Jeff is way too bad of a liar to do important government work. We need to come back to this theory because it would explain some stuff at the end. So we're going to come back around to this. Okay. So Keith says to the detective that he's interviewing, I think at this point you'd like to talk to Jeff personally. And the cop says, yes. And and so Keith says, so did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you? So the police say, well, we tried. We went to go see Jeff. And he gave us the card for his lawyer. So that's a good sign. So we call the lawyer and it's actually a CIA <laughs> field office. No? It's actually the number for a Dunkin' Donuts. 
and his name is who works at the Dunkin' Donuts, Gerald. He's also, he moonlights as a personal injury attorney. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So the police look for Angela's death certificate and they can't find it in any state. Mm. They go state by state. They cannot find a death certificate in the whole country. Uh-huh. They check the hospitals. There was no record of her. They check travel records to see if she left the country. It's been eight months now. All their main things that they could have done right at that moment, they can't do now because it's so much time has passed. Right. But the detectives have an idea. They send two forensic teams to go to the storage facility where Jeff keeps his vintage cars and they do a surprise search of the house and they bring cadaver dogs. But they don't really find anything. That was disappointing. I thought this was it. It was it. Yeah. No. And Keith is like, why did you bring cadaver dogs? And I was like, Keith. Keith just has to ask the question because he knows that the audience is going to want to talk about cadaver dogs more. Yeah, I would have liked to see some footage of them. So Jeff tells Ellie that the urn cost $1,500. That seems like an exorbitant amount of money, but maybe it's not for an urn. That seems like a hitman. That's like very expensive to me. Because an urn is basically like a vase, right? I feel like the cremation would be more than $1,500. Right. No, absolutely. But the urn, he says, cost $1,500 and he bought it over the phone without seeing it. And Ellie is so suspicious because she said her dad is so careful with money that he would never spend that amount on an urn without seeing it. I'm like, there's a lot of things to be suspicious about. Is that how much urns are, though? Did you look it up? Because we're going to sound really dumb and a bunch of people are going to come at us. No, I honestly don't know. Saying that's a cheap urn. Cost of urn. Metal urns start at around $60 and can cost up to $300. Heapsake urns can cost up to $200. Some are like very fancy. They said up to $600. Okay, so they're not that much. They're not that much. It does say jewelry that holds a small amount of ashes can go up to the many thousands of dollars. 3D printed urns can cost more than $10,000. I don't want a 3D printed urn. Is it shaped like the person? (laughs) No, I think so. Yeah, anyways, Jeff's not spending that amount of money on an urn, especially when he hasn't seen over the phone. She just thinks the whole thing is weird. It's weird before that, but that makes it extra weird. Yeah. It was weird way before that. Extra weird. So she decides to start her own investigation on her own father. And we should say she's very, like, soft-spoken. She's so pretty. She reminds me of Tara from the Dirty John story, who you would might kind of underestimate if you just met them and not realize how strong they are as a person. She's got to be pretty strong on this. Yeah. Yeah. So she and Michelle map out a whole script of things, like a flow chart. If he says this, then you ask him this part. And if he says this, then you ask him this. I was loving this. That would have been our time to shine. Because I feel like you and I have had conversations like that. How do you combat this with this? And you come back with this if they say this. It can sometimes go out the window, but it's helpful. Also, we're both pretty anxious people. And anxious people usually have a lot of conversations in their heads before they actually have the conversation. It never goes well. And so you think of different scenarios in your head of how it could go. That's a real curse, you know. (laughs) Yeah. that It really is a real curse because nothing ever is exactly the way that you need it to be. Nothing's satisfactory. No. But the great part about this is that Michelle and Ellie barely knew each other as cousins before this. And now they talk every day and they're like best friends. That's so nice that she has someone in this that's like family that understands. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. 
So she calls her dad and she records everything. So we hear the audio. She's asking like when she ran away, because you're saying she ran away, like did she take a purse? No, I don't know what she took with her. He doesn't notice if anything's missing. Okay, when someone called and said that she had died, who called? No idea. I didn't ask questions, okay? Well, if she's alive, how do you think she's affording to live? And he says, well, I think maybe she has a friend or something. And then he says, I don't think this is the first time she's done this. What does that mean? Like implying she's run off and disappeared for almost a year at a time before. And Ellie says, when was the first time? And he says, that's a discussion for another time. Is that when he says, I'm not your real dad and I never will be? (laughs) Is that when that happens? Because that's what that conversation sounds like. He's getting panicked. Like he is going to have to say something like that. I'm not your real father. I'm actually a dog. Bye. But no, it sounds like it's like she went off and came back with you. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. You see what I'm saying? She had a little baby in a bassinet and I swore I'd love you like you were my own. Yeah, I could see that him saying something like that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, though. No, he doesn't say that, but he's trying to come up with something like that. So Ellie's like, so what do you think? She faked her own death? And he says, no, more like she pulled a scam on me to make me feel bad because she was unhappy in our marriage. Okay? What? Women do that a lot. And then he starts grilling Ellie and saying, have you been talking to the police? Because, you know, in a situation like this, okay, there's not situations like this. Very often, they always look at the closest person as the primary suspect. So I'm the closest person. So I'm the primary suspect. Suspect, huh? Yeah. That's the term we're using? Ellie said he's just all over the place. Like sometimes he's saying she's alive. Sometimes he's saying she's dead. Sometimes he's saying she's disappeared and he doesn't know. Sometimes he says she ran away and he knows she ran away. So Ellie says, why can't you tell me anything about the phone call when they called and said she was dead? And he says, and I quote, because I was very busy at that particular point in time, so I didn't worry about it because I knew the information would come in different ways. You were busy when you got the call that your wife died, so you didn't worry about it. And Ellie's not having it. She's like, when I call you at work, you excuse yourself and you take the call. But when you get a call that mom died, you're too busy to worry about it. And he says, well, it depends what's going on that day at work. Sometimes I'm very busy. What is going on? So Ellie is accusing him of lying. And he says, I'm not lying. But I don't have a story that's complete yet. Come on, man. (laughs) So it is. It's exactly what I said. I will tell you the truth as soon as I decide what it is. He says, you want a precise timeline and I just can't give it to you. Why? Why? Because he doesn't have all the facts or something. No, he says you want a precise line of question or something. What does he say? It's not a timeline or a definitive answer or something. Why not? He's saying, cause I don't know. Cause maybe she ran away. Maybe she's dead. I don't know. But I don't care enough to find out the truth. And also when I got that phone call, I was very busy at work that day. So I had my secretary take a message. I can't get over that. I was very busy with work. So I just figured I don't need to ask questions. I'm not going to worry about it. I'll get an answer later on down the road of what happened, how she died. Wow. 
Okay. So she's saying, why won't you help the police? Why did you get a defense attorney instead of hiring a PI to try to find mom? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, she left me, so I don't feel the need to follow her. He sounds kind of angry at that point. Yeah, kind of. So he says, I won't talk to the police and I won't answer questions. And he's like, and I'm not going to answer any more of your questions because you're cross-examining me. He gets very peeved with her and he refused to talk to Dateline. So police at this point can't even say if she's dead for sure. And at this point, Dateline puts up their phone number because they're asking for help if anyone has any tips, which I don't see that much on Dateline. But that means we're not going to get answers, folks. So sorry. Then I was really mad at you. When I was looking at the time ticked down on this episode, I was like, Kimberly is not kind today. I mean, we, I think, absolutely know what happened. It's not like a big mystery. They haven't proved it yet. If he hasn't done it, his life is destroyed. So I really hope he did it because he looks really guilty. Really guilty. And he's making himself look even guiltier. Yes, he is. So if this is some big conspiracy to make him look guilty, that would be pretty brilliant. I'm sorry. He looks guilty because he's making himself look guilty, not because Dateline is. He's doing all of that by himself. Absolutely. No, no, no. He is... In recorded calls with his own daughter, making himself look guilty. What if Michelle is framing him for her, sorry, Angela is, Michelle's the cousin, is faked her own death, framing him to get back at him for something. That would be kind of brilliant. It would be. And we're all talking about it like he's, but there's no way because he's just doing everything wrong then in order to look more guilty. Yeah. So Ellie has stopped talking to her dad. She decides, I have nothing to lose. I'm going public with this. She goes on the dateline. She goes on Instagram. She's talking about her mom. She wants answers. Love that. She has a new sister in it, Michelle, her cousin, and she has a new family in Zach's family. It's very sweet. Which is very sweet because the mom says even, she doesn't say it outright, but she intimates that even if it doesn't go well between Zach and Ellie, if it doesn't work out between them, she always has us, which is very much how my family treats an ex-boyfriend of mine, that he is no matter what, he is part of our family. So that's very nice. Yeah, it is nice when that happens. So she's not dutiful anymore. He says she now like speaks up for herself and questions things. And she writes poetry and she's reading one and it says, hope whispers louder than the wind. At which point, when I was first watching it, I was like, I didn't really hear that part. So I still thought her name was Hope. It's because that poem. That's why it's called that. It's not bad poetry. It's not bad at all. Yeah, I think if I didn't know what happened to my mom, I'd be writing some poems. I think we've been harsh on poets in the past here. Have we? I think so. Maybe I've left it in. Maybe I haven't. Just in case we have. I've been harsh on dudes with guitars, for sure. I definitely have been harsh on any sort of acoustic guitar playing. (laughs) Yeah. Male or female. Yeah. Not gender relevant. But I don't feel like we've been necessarily harsh on poets. I hope not, because I thought this was lovely. And I really wish her the best. Absolutely. I hope they get some information from this. Do you think they will? They have neighbors. So I feel like someone maybe saw something one day that was weird. Because it's not like their area is totally rural. Like he could have killed her. And like I just made a joke about buried her in the backyard. I feel like their area is a little bit more of a residential area. So that would be a little harder to do. So he might have had to transport her somewhere. 
I don't know what the community is like in Kansas. In certain areas of the country, communities are more like gossipy about like their neighbors. And in certain areas, it's more like you look the other way and you mind your own business, you know? So I don't know what Kansas is like. It's possible someone saw something this whole time and hasn't said anything because they just didn't want to involve themselves in someone else's business. So my friend, Ramey, her family is from Kansas. So based on her parents, I'm going to say it's not your business. Her parents are also psychiatrists. Psychiatrists. So there's that. But yeah, they might not be the best barometer for. We don't know. Okay. So let us know what you think. What do you call Kansas people, by the way? Kansonians. Kans- Kansians. Kans- Kansanites? Kansanians. Yeah, that sounds right. It's definitely not right. Kansets. Kansets. <laughs> Kansets, yeah. With the E-T-T-E. Yeah, that's exactly. totally. Like the Rockets. Kansets, yeah. 100%. Yeah, you're welcome. We got it. <laughs> Let us know what happened. If if there's any one of you that thinks that he didn't do it, please come out because I want to know what your thinking is. But I want to know why. I want to know exactly why you think that. And if you think that maybe this has something to do with the government, let me know. Area 51, aliens being hid by the government. And spies. And spies. There's lots of possibilities, basically. Yeah, there are. But I wish that we could help them in any sort of a way. These girls deserve all the help that they can get. I mean, we can give them our theories. Those are terrible theories. And I'm sure they've already crossed all. I'm sure those came out right away and they crossed them off. It was like, it's not aliens. It's not this. It's unfortunately this guy did something bad and is doing a terrible job of covering it up, but is somehow getting away with it. What I don't understand is if the police can go far enough to get a search warrant for his property, they can absolutely get a search warrant for his phone records to find out who the call was made from about the urn, watch his credit cards. And also they can tap his phones now to see if he's making calls about this now. So If they can go as far as to get the search warrant for the property, I feel like they should be able to do these other things. And maybe my only hope is that they are and they just aren't talking about it. Maybe. Can they not even make him talk to them? If he has a lawyer, he just doesn't have to talk to them. He doesn't have to take a polygraph. He doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to, right? Unless they're actually going to charge him with something. Something like that, I think. So... That sucks because you know he would lie and fail. He's a terrible liar. He would fail the polygraph in a second. I think the lawyer would tell him not to take the polygraph because I don't think he has to. Yeah, I don't, no, he definitely doesn't have to. Gosh. You can subpoena someone's records. You can subpoena their DNA, but you can't subpoena them to have to talk to you because that's one of your rights is you don't have to talk, right? That's crazy. But he's basically said so much so far. But there's no evidence. But I can't believe they found nothing in that search warrant. Nothing on his computers. Are you serious? I know. Where is she? I feel like even if they just went to trial with what they have right now, just the phone calls, he would get convicted. There wouldn't be any evidence or proof. But it's just so suspicious. People would find him guilty right away. Agreed. Not that that would be right. It wouldn't, but it w- you're correct. But I think it would happen. Yeah. Okay. This episode is dedicated to Anne Marie W. and Rebecca W. Now, I don't know if you guys are related, but you have the same last name. W. It's not like, I'm not saying what the last name is, but it's not like Smith. It's not extremely common. And they're next to each other on my list of Patreons, but it's not an alphabetical list. It's a list of when people, by when people signed up. So are you guys like sisters? And you signed up on the same day, 
Or are you strangers that happen to both sign up? Separated at birth. At the same level of Patreon in different states. One of you lives in Louisiana and one in California. Separated at birth. We figured it out. We figured it out. It's all connected. You guys, you're welcome because you guys have a sister, a twin. It's probably twins. It could be twins. Out there. So... I will give each other your contact info if you so wish. No, you will not do that. You can't be giving out people's phone numbers. Emails. No, just like email. You can't give out people's emails. If one asked me, can I have their email? Then you have to ask the other person. I Trust me, I'm about to say it. I would go to the other person and I would say, they are requesting your email. May I give it to them? Listen, I worked for a celebrity. I know how to do these things. You don't just give out people's info. That's true. I know what to do. You're also an amateur matchmaker, apparently. Exactly. And friendship maker. What if they do know each other and they live in separate states, but their family and our podcast is what keeps them together? It's not. But that's a sweet thought. Like they call each other and talk about our podcast. Why are you trying to make this more important? Don't make us more important than we are. I think we've uncovered something big tonight. And it's not just about the aliens. Okay. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Anne-Marie and Rebecca. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And consider signing up for Patreon. You might find a long-lost loved one. You never know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just saying. You never know. <sighs> we have a delightful promo for you guys this week from our new friends at Heaving Bosoms, which is a podcast about romance novels. Fantastic. Where these best friends, they go off on tangents, but their main purpose is to recap romance novels. And it's awesome. So check them out, guys. Oh, hey, Erin. We're here to tell the people about Heaving Bosoms. (laughs) Hey, Melody. My bosoms are ready. (laughs) (laughs) So we host Heaving Bosoms, a romance novel podcast. We are two best friends who love romance novels, and we do a deep recap every single show. Yes. Why do you think people who love (laughs) Date with Dateline would love us? Because I love Date with Dateline. Here's the thing. (laughs) At the end of the day, after a hard day of living in this world as a woman, sometimes all that soothes me is a romance novel. Also, all that soothes me is the familiar cadence of Keith Morrison's voice. You know how it's going to end. You know what it is. And it's just, it's soothing for the soul. And that's what romance novels and Dateline are for me. Yeah. Also like lady friendship. Also like tangents. Also silliness. Yeah. And frankly, you don't have to be a romance reader, nor do you have to read any of the books because we recap the whole thing. Yes. Anyway, you can find us anywhere you get podcasts and uh, come at us. Come on, listen to our show. Just try it. Thank you, guys. I hope that you will check out Heaving Bosoms. Absolutely. Subscribe to them, download, leave them a review, all of that. Five stars. Five (laughs) braziers. B-roll. Let's do it. I have some B-roll. There was a bridge, again, with a crane shot this time. Second bridge in a row, right? Yeah. With Ellie walking across a bridge, Mm -hmm. a beautiful bridge. Yeah. Kansas looked lovely. Lovely. Did you see it? Michelle walking the bulldog. The doggy. Well, first they cut its waist up on Michelle, and you see she's holding a leash mm-hmm. for a few seconds. And I was getting kind of nervous. I was like, you better show the dog. Like, don't just show me the top of the leash. I need to know what kind of dog Michelle has. Because Michelle's basically perfect. She's, like, stunning and smart. And she has an adorable, finally they pull out, you see, bulldog. 
I loved it. It's my first Dateline Bulldog. I have not seen a Bulldog yet. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have either. It was a surprise and I was delighted. I was like, what a fun choice. Bulldogs are very sweet. That's cute. Yeah. She had perfect eyelashes and perfect eyebrows. The most insane eyelashes. You can buy those eyelashes, Kimberly. I know. It makes you want to do it, doesn't it? They look so good. Yeah, a little bit. Ellie also beautiful. Like I said, that family has some good genes. It was kind of just like a wash of beauty. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Including Keith. Let's be honest. Oh, I was including Keith. Zach's mom got some great B-roll. So she's sitting reading a book on their very nice outdoor patio furniture. Mm -hmm. But that kind of patio furniture that Peggy Hill got on King of the Hill that looks like indoor furniture. Yeah, like that. You know, it looks like a regular couch. I really like outdoor patio furniture. I'm very into it. Mine always just gets gross and dusty and stuff. Aren't there twisters? They have twisters in Kansas, right? Yeah, that's where... Dorothy was, right? I'm seriously going off of Wizard of Oz, and that is it. <laughs> That's all I'm going off of. I would be worried about the patio furniture. Well, I think that was at least covered, that area that she was sitting outside. And Maybe it had a thing you can put down. Roll down yeah. and roll up mm -hmm. or something. And then she also got, as Keith is talking about the tomato soup for lunch, we see her cutting up vegetables, and she's cutting up grape tomatoes which are already the tiniest tomatoes. That's a tricky cut. She was cutting them at least in half, maybe in quarters. I don't know. Quarter is an extreme cut for a little grape tomato. Something I noticed that Michelle, instead of looking at the loose pictures, was looking at the notes that her mom had put in her lunch. Is that what those notes were that she had kept? Yeah, I think so. That was adorable. They were really cute notes all in all of this, like really, really cute pieces of paper, little stationary paper. And I was like, that's such a great thing for her to have. I'm really happy she's got some stuff like that. Yeah. So she can like hear her mom's voice when she reads it. Yeah. I love that. And I love that her mom taught her Mandarin. And so they had their own language that they could communicate in. And that Ellie speaks four languages. Yeah. Did we mention that? She's kind of a genius. I'm not jealous. I don't know if anything makes me feel less intelligent is when I find out that people speak multiple languages, like more than I know. two. I'm like, really? Even two really gets me. Even two. I'm still really impressed by two. I really just want to be able to talk in a different language in a public space so that I can say things that I can't say in English. That's your dream. Kind of. I would like to have like Dutch or Russian. I would like it to be something that is not, you don't know what quite what it is. And Dutch sounds real interesting. Have you heard Dutch? I don't know. Go listen to it. It's kind of bananas. I love it. You could do it too. We could do it together. That's why I'm saying secret language. Okay, I'll try. This is a lot on my plate. I'm a little busy and I can't. I'm a little busy. I can't. I can't. Can focus I, my up. secretary, take this call? She's dead. Okay. I'm really. It's too much right now. My TPS reports are due on Monday, so it's just not a great time for that. Sorry. That's legitimately what it sounded like. That was terrible. MVP. We've already said like so many. All of the women in this episode. Get a MVP, I think. And Barry. Oh, and Barry, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Barry. I'm sorry. Did you also notice really quick fashion police, John, did you notice that the policeman had the badge on a necklace? Oh, I did not. I love that badge with the necklace. Didn't know if you'd seen it. Okay. I love that. I didn't have any actual fashion police, though. Me neither. Okay. Do you have titles for this? I have a couple. What you got? Let's go back and forth. Angela's Ashes, the sequel. I have Calls from Beyond the Grave. I like it. Made a lot of calls. Daddy denial. It's not good. Forget I said anything. Try another one. Tiger 
Mom. Tiger Mom. That's good. I like Tiger Mom. It was a good name. What about who is Flo and why did she make so many charts? That's terrible. <laughs> Let's try another one. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I did. I wrote that. That actually, I wrote that whole thing down. Let's try another one. Barry's Hope Garden. That's nice. Father, daughter, no longer. Just because they kind of sounds. They went their separate ways. Father, daughter, no longer. Oh, okay. Because it kind of rhymes. Because it kind of rhymes, but not really. Mm -hmm. I had a trouble with the titles because really Angela's ashes are missing. And so that it just threw the whole thing for you. Angela's ashes part two threw the whole thing. And I feel really bad making a joke about it, but he made it into a farce. By saying that the urn was empty. Well, then I'll say my only good title, which is Lying in Earnest. Okay, that's good. I I do. I had one good one. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That's very good. You're welcome. Thank you, everyone. Oh, we didn't even say that the reason this was a repeat is because, you know, there's a big thing that happened last week. There's a big thing that happened last week. And let me say, I would like to say something quickly. I might have to cut it. But I just wanted to say that now that this period of election is over. It doesn't matter who you voted for. What matters is that we take care of each other right now. We come together and fight against the common enemy, which is COVID-19. And that you do by wearing a mask, keeping socially distant when you can, and looking out for your neighbor, no matter who they voted for. And everybody can do that. That's what I wanted to say. Wow, I owe some people on social media an apology. Why? Nothing. What did you do? Nothing. That's very nice. And it's very true. It's very nice. Wear a mask, yes. We need it. We need everybody to hang around and hang in there. Numbers are high. Just be on your guard. Yeah. Take it seriously. Yeah. Believe the science. Please. But maybe question the science if your neighbor might be making something in his basement and his wife goes missing. And there's like weird green stuff coming out the windows. That's when you say something, right? You make the call. See something, say something. Green smoke, say something. Yeah. Okay, nailed it. Thank you, everyone. Follow us on social media, Instagram. Check out our Patreon. Date, date. Patreon.com forward slash date, date. Oh, and for lighthearted fare that we all can use nowadays, check out our secondary podcast, A Date with the Bake which is about Great British Bake Off. And it's very fun. It is. And it's about cooking, but mostly it's just about nonsense and talking. It's really fun. And it's it's British. Enough said. Yeah. So we do some pretty bad fake British accents. We've been really good about it this year. I think we learned our lesson in the first year. And so the second year, we've just been saying it and not trying. Well, some of us try. I did some. I haven't been. <laughs> okay. Peter. <laughs> <Not> a- Peter. <laughs> Don't do it here. People aren't going to want to listen. <laughs> like, I can't listen to that for an hour. No thanks. <laughs> but we've got somebody else. We've got Jake on date with the bake and he's very fun and delightful and brings a freshness. And he tempers our dumbness. To our stodginess. <laughs> yes. Tempers. That's very good. Like tempered chocolate. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Maybe I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. Good for you. New year, new me. So it's not a new year. Not yet. No. While she's doing this, while she's at the police station. Well. Jeff call. While she's at. While. Sorry. That's your word. That's your deering. Well. You say well, not while. Dude. Well, maybe I do. That is great. Okay. So at least we've both got one now.
I feel much better. I'll sleep easy tonight. Knowing Good, that so my addiction glad. matches yours. <laughs> Makes me happy. Twins. Where does he work? I saw that it was government, but what is it? Are we sure it's government? Or did you make that up? I don't know. I saw something really quick in a Goog. So hold on. Sometimes I read fast and I don't know things. Okay. Jeffrey Green, tech, government, LinkedIn. Mm, tech, government. Oh, I can't see it. From tech, Planet Soltar. Government, Jeffrey Green, Geoff, Missouri, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri area. Oh, this says he's a mechanic and salesman. What do you do? He's not in Kansas City, Missouri. He's in Kansas, the state, I thought. Well, what if he moved? Man, this is so confusing. Okay. I, salesmen have to be better liars, I feel like. He's not charismatic at all. He's extremely monotone. Latest tweets from Geoff Green at 78. I don't think that's him. He's barbarian and welder by trade. Love RPGs, motorcycle, and food. Is that him? I found him. 78 I don't, on Twitter. I don't, I don't feel like this GIF tweets. Did I just dox him? Is that what doxing is? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Adam, you might have to take that out, but I am very <laughs> proud of myself that I found him. Do you think that's him? No, I absolutely do not think that he tweets. Barbarian and welder. I don't think he's a welder, and I don't think he tweets. He's also trying to pretend that he's born in 78. And that's very much not true. Okay. <clears throat> and actually, speaking of science, I have an alternative theory really quick in regards to our friend Jeff. Okay, here's the deal. He works for the government. So he's in Kansas. Is he part of one of these weird groups that does like, quote unquote, experiments? And the experiment turned bad. And he was experimenting on Angela like it's some sort of like transmorphic. Right, like a, a werewolf or something. He was trying to create humans that could breathe underwater. And it went horribly wrong. So he has to keep it hidden because his experiment failed. But then who lied to him about the empty urn? He's just a really bad liar. The FBI or whoever he works for has not given him instructions on what to say next. And he keeps telling them, no, no, I've got it handled with the daughter. I've got it handled. And his boss is like, I don't think so. You better keep this under wraps, Jeff. And Jeff is sweating it. So he is made up the whole someone called and I said, sure, cremate her. That's fine. Yes. And then did he actually get an urn to keep up appearances? I don't think the urn ever existed. I think this is all off the seat of his pants. If we go to his house, will we find an empty urn? No. Well, now we might. Because now he has to keep that up. So he ran out after this phone call and was like, where do I buy an urn? Right. I mean, uh, hopefully he got one delivered and then he put Are something in it. Are we tracking his credit card purchases? Do we know what he's doing? Did he pay a crematorium? Like, these are all questions. Can the police not get this information? Did he pay a crematorium? Who called his phone on the day that he said, you know, if he's not a mad scientist? 